Hello, everyone, and welcome. Happy Kentucky Derby Week. Back at it again with show 21 from rainy and ever so slightly colder Saratoga. Only a couple of days left before this year's Kentucky Derby. I'm so excited to bring you three phenomenal guests to highlight the Derby and the Oaks with. But before I introduce them, please go to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Talk Racing to Me and the In The Money feeds. It really is your one-stop shop to stay up to date with everything that goes on in racing, as well as a little, or a lot, of entertainment. As for my amazing guests, we are starting off with Lafitte Pinkai III, our Saratoga Live host, as well as NBC Sports broadcaster, who was heading out the same day to Kentucky. Learn from his expert in-depth knowledge in relation to the connections as well as some of the history. Now, Maggie Wolfendale is a returning guest for a good reason. She's the New York Racing Association panic analyst as well as occasional hosting. And she frequently can be spotted in the winner's circle chatting to connections after a race. And her analysis is second to none. And I, for one, very much enjoy listening to her insights. As for our final guest, champion apprentice Richard Migliore is well-known face on the Fox Sports broadcast and he really provides unique insight into the way races unfold and what goes through a jockey's mind and aside from that he's just a pleasure to be around and a wonderful horseman. Kicking things off is Lafitte so I can happily throw it to myself joined by Lafitte Pinkai III in the broadcast trailer at the spa. Well, welcome back, Lafitte. It's been quite the while since we heard your voice on these airwaves. Too long. Far too long. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you doing yourself? Saratoga, not quite the same. Uh, (laughs) Missed the fans, something awful, but the racing's been great and the distraction of of working with a really great crew and again, the racing being what it is, it's it's been a great couple of months. Now, I brought you in to hear your opinion on the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks because you are actually going to cover uh, these races and will be there over the weekend for NBC Sports. When are you flying out? Uh, like in <laughs> uh, less than four hours. So we have to hurry. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, let's get to it. Uh, the Kentucky Derby. Love to hear who your top three would be. And if the number one is Tis the Law, which I hope he would be, you don't have to spend that much time on him because we know everything about him already. We don't do. We? We do. Um, I, I can't see. If you were to ask me for my Preakness pick now, I would give it to you. You know, I'm that confident in this individual. Not just. I don't think. Um, it's just a great discrepancy between him, um, Honor AP, and everyone else. Uh, but we've been, you know, Arazi was odds on in the early '90s, and he had only had one prep, I think, in England on grass. Um, so he, I don't know, I'm guessing that he, he felt a little ripe for the picking and he was finished off the board. Uh, tis the law feels every bit the three, the three to five. Having said that it's the Derby, weird things happen. Um, it's not that creative, but honor AP being a, a legitimate, strong second choice. I think, um, he, he deserves that every bit of that respect as a second choice in a Kentucky Derby with the absence of our collector. He does have a little bit of a similar running style 
to tis the law though so if you would put these two words there in the gate next to each other is it 16 and 17 yeah similar running styles you would still i'm assuming put tis the law above him yeah i think authentic goes from the extreme outside and probably makes the lead tis the laws in that perfect stalking you know forward position that he's in yeah um honor ap runs the the, the risk with his running stops he's not quite as quick as tis the law of losing a little bit more ground. And I think there's several horses that have that similar, a few lengths off the pace, five, five and a half lengths off the pace running style that there is a, Mike Smith is gonna have to make a decision of how much energy he wants to use early with Honor AP. You don't wanna take him out of his running style. So I don't know that aggression, aggression would be the right approach. And Mike's a hall of famer and he'll figure it out. But you know, there's somewhat of a risk of him losing some ground, but I feel like we have this conversation every year and then you forget how much real estate there is between the starting gate and the first turn. If, if Honor AP gets beat, if he gets beat in the Derby, I don't think it's gonna be because of, you know, a portrait early on in terms of ground loss. Traffic is a different thing you can't predict, but post isn't gonna get him beat, I don't think. And any of the other eight, well, we've got 18 horses in the starting gate, so two less than any normal year mm -hmm. would be the occasion. What other horses have caught your fancy? Um, I think Enforceable is is overlooked. Uh, a 30 to 1 shot who will do his best running from off the pace. And his, uh, I think his form watching his races is better than it looks on paper. Um, it's incredible when you consider that, you know, horses 1 through 15, the shortest price is a 15 to 1 shot. In thousand words and all of the contention towards the outside somebody actually you know calculated the odds of this happening the top three favorites winding up in the three outside post positions and it was like a hundred like 850 to one and something crazy um but i think thousand words on the improve and it's like it's baffert i don't have to give you a long you know explanation as to why thousand words just baffert has this uncanny ability to get horses ready for their effort of their life on the first Saturday in May. Is it good enough? Not if Tis the Law brings his, you know, A minus game, B plus game, but he's headed in the right direction. I thought it really looked like he came to life in that shared belief. So if you had to make a top three, what would it be? Uh, tis the Law, maybe if I'm using four horses in a trifecta, it's not creative. Tis the Law, Honor AP, and then Enforceable, thousand words. Not my final answer, but as of this recording, three and a half hours before I have to get on a plane. Well, don't go flip-flopping on me now. I have to, listen, <laughs> I have until like what, 6.30 or whatever it is, Saturday night? Very true, very true. What about the Oaks? Swiss Skydiver, Speech, Gamine, who of these classy ladies do you think is gonna end up on top? It's quite the renewal. What a great matchup yeah, between, you know, Gamine and Swiss Skydiver. This is more of a you question. I don't know if you've watched Swiss Skydiver, but I know some very, you know, trained eyeballs in terms of horse flesh and how horses look when they're galloping and preparing for a next race. There seems to be a little bit of concern that maybe this taxing uh, campaign of Swiss Skydivers is finally taking its toll. That that's kind of a circulating uh, narrative surrounding her getting closer uh, to the Kentucky Derby. Um, they, they pay, you know, they do, they have a, a work show on in the morning and, you know, they do a great job of observing which horses seem to be thriving. And um, while not trying to certainly, you know, you, they're not in, a, in an insulting fashion or anything along those lines, just that 
not quite as sharp as she has been when in an effort she's going to have to, you know, have her very best to, to, to run with. Gamine. Gamine is Bob Baffert, who's trained some great fillies. Um, when he talks about her, kind of puts her in a class of her own. Kind of puts her in a class of her own. Um, for all the years and all the great ones he's trained, I, he is so incredibly confident about her ability. And um, we, we're seeing why, based on what we saw in the acorn and in the test. And, you know, if she can be as effective, I don't think she needs to be exactly what she was in the test or the acorn. Something close to that should be enough. And speech is really good and a little bit overlooked and a little bit forgotten because you've got the Philly everybody wanted to see against the boys with Skydiver. You have this freak show that like broke the sound barrier in the, in the acorn in, in, in Gamine. She's the one that um, I think she is, is poised for a big, big effort based on how she's looked, her, her form, and, and it's a good feel, really good feel. I think it also sets up a slightly bit for her if Gamine and Swiss Skydiver end up, you know, on the lead or Gamine goes forward and Swiss Skydiver switches out. Speech might just, you know, sit in their slipstream and pounce whenever it's time to go. With those two paying so much attention to one another, um, yeah, kind of drafting in there and speech is good, but it's not the headlines that the other Phillies have, have garnered in this lead up to the, to the Kentucky Oaks. So um, she's one that could slip between the cracks and, and offer some offer some value, I think. Who do you end up putting on top then? <sighs> um, I'm not, again, I, I listen, I try to beat favorites and I'm always looking for a sleeper and especially in a derby. But these races, especially the derby, has proved to be much more predictable in the last 20 years. We went 20 years from 79 you had spectacular bid win as a favorite. You had three triple crown winners in the 70s. From 80 until 99, favorites were blanked. We went 20 years without a favorite winning. And horses like Easy Goer were defeated, and horses like Holy Bull were beat, uh, point given. And then in a more recent sample, um, I guess point given would have been in 2001. Um, but then from 2000 until 99, favorites have won 10 of 20. 10 of 20. Like, when did the hardest race to win become the most predictable race? The easiest race to predict. And that doesn't include Barbaro, because somebody put a truckload of money on a horse named Sweet Northern Saint at post time. Otherwise, 11 to 20. Um, it's been a formful, formful race, which is why we're a little bit gun-shy about getting that creative. Um, so, in, in the Derby for me, it's chalk. And right now, unfortunately, I feel like I'm leaning chalk with, with, with Gamine as well. And who would you then put on the knees? Swiss Skydiver and Speech? Speech, and I've got to look a little bit closer. It's easy to get caught up in just the big three, and I have to look a little. I have to do a little look a little bit closer at the at the Oaks. But based on what we've seen thus far, it feels like a little bit of a, of a stretch to imagine that it wouldn't be one of those three. But it's not. This isn't a race to get excited. I mean, of course, there's going to be the handicappers and and the horse players, but. If you just sits back as a sport fan and understand how good of a matchup this is going in and that a championship very well could be decided on that particular afternoon. I texted Kenny McPeak yesterday and I asked him, I said, if, if um, Honor AP would have defected, I'm sorry, um, Art Collector would have defected last week, would you have run Swiss Skydiver in the Derby? And he's like, no. I want to prove who the best three-year-old filly in the country is, I'm paraphrasing. Um, he says, quote unquote, in a text message, like, this needs to be decided on the racetrack. It's important to him. And that in itself, like it, there wasn't, yeah, she won going a mile and a quarter. He's like, no, she's, we're going to find out who the best three-year-old Philly in the country is. 
It's, that was awesome. It's an incredible race, and I'm very much looking forward to it. So for all the listeners, they can catch you on NBC Sports this weekend. Uh, yeah, I think um, Oaks on NBCSN. I think it might be NBC. I'm not sure. I should check your local listings. And then we're on for like five hours on, on NBC on Saturday. Well, thank you so much for your opinion, and I wish you the best of luck. And it was great having you back here today. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Good to talk to you. And I, if I blame my flight, lose my flight, it's your fault. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he caught his flight just fine, I think. If anyone has any evidence to the contrary, let me know. Thank you so much again, Lafitte. On to the lady that I previously nicknamed the Queen of Naira, with good reason. She has been the face of New York racing for quite some time. Again, here with Maggie, just like last week. Here again, <laughs> on a soggy Wednesday. I mean, <laughs> good guests, you have to keep, keep them coming, right? I mean, I'm just, next week? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? No, mm, you will have to do it long distance at that point, right? True, true. <laughs> the whole crew is splitting up next yeah. week around this time. Everyone will be in different areas. Will you exactly. be back on Long Island? I'll be back on Long Island, yeah. Um, try to do a little bit of vacationing um, through, you know, since we have 10 days of no racing, but uh, we also have to cover Churchill, so we'll see if I'm needed for those as well, but um, don't start back racing until the 18th. 10 days of holidays yeah, sounds exactly. quite amazing right I know, now. I know, it does. It's a nice break after Saratoga. Absolutely. I think everyone needs to catch their breath, even though it's been such a different year. It's it still... Has. You know, it's still, still racing. You're still working. Yep. You're still you know, yep. doing the form and doing your paddock analysis as yep. we outlined last week. But this time I want to hear your well-educated opinion <laughs> on the Kentucky Derby and the Kentucky Oaks fields. Uh, let's start with the race that everyone is talking about right now. 18-horse field in this year's uh, late renewal of the Kentucky Derby. Yeah. Of course, tis the law. Very heavy favorite. Three to five. Yeah, um, that's pretty interesting. I, I guess, I guess, rightfully so. With the the Travers performance coming in here, I think you know he deserves to be the favorite. Um, just drawing away and easily handling that field without any problems, and and you know answered the question of is this horse going to get any better? He totally got better in the Travers, but now we're asking him to compete off of that best effort with the quickest turnaround that he's ever had in his entire career. He could be just the best. I do question it, so I might take a little bit, a slightly, lightly, lightly, little stand against him. Um, just watching these horses train leading into it, it could, sometimes it means a, a lot, sometimes it means absolutely nothing when it comes down to the day. But watching these horses train, I love the way Honor AP has been training at uh, Churchill Downs, and he is the next legitimate horse next to Tis the Law. Um, they, it's funny, they kind of have the similar running styles. We'll see where he's placed throughout. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, he just couldn't get run down 1,000 words last time, even though he was 1-2 to two and a 4-horse shared belief. But he, I think, was kind of up against it. You know, he got slammed at the break. Then Mike Smith, and, and kind of rightfully so, took him outside, went up to him, then was just forced out wide the entire way. Well, well, 1,000 words, he was just hugging the rail, set his own fractions, and, and kind of easily handled it. And Honoré P kind of backed out at the head of the lane and then came on again. So he gives you the feeling that he's a horse that's gonna just keep galloping, keep running for the mile and a quarter, which will be his first time, you know, contesting over that distance. Horse drawn on the inside of Tis the Law, uh, mm -hmm. Honor AP is in gate 16, Tis the Law in gate 17, and as you mentioned, similar running styles. 
Do you think that's a benefit being on the outside or could it be a slight hamper? No, I think I think you definitely want, yeah, you're going to lose some ground. Yeah, ultimately, you're going to lose some ground. You're not going to probably lose as much. It's a little smaller field. Now they have the 20-horse gate, so you're, you're bringing the field in a little bit. Um, closer together but you're not going to be you know floated out totally wide and it's kind of interesting though because it looks as though the main speed is drawn all the way on the outside with authentic so what is he going to do and having to click you'd have to think that authentic blasts away from there with johnny v and then tis the law and um honorary peter just kind of towed in behind him you would think you would hope let's see what happens um there's look there's also other fast horses even more to the inside I mean, New York traffic right there um as well right to the inside it's kind of funny though we'll see what thousand word do words does that's a little bit of a weird name to like <laughs> say and pluralize um because he showed speed uh at um Del Mar last time but that was kind of a new style for him but it was a four horse field so I don't think he's as naturally fast um and it's kind of funny because all the horses in the inside-inside posts are all deep closers. So it kind of works out in a way because I think you want, unless you're really, really fast away from there, I almost think you want to be drawn outside more so. So you don't have to deal with, if you don't get away that cleanly, you don't have to deal with everybody dropping all over in front of you. And plus, it is a long run to the to the turn. Don't get me wrong in the derby. So um, I think it gives the horses enough time to sort themselves out. So you're saying a tiny stab at honor AP. If you'd have to make like a top three, would you place him above Tisdale? I am going to. Just based upon watching them train. Oh, that's very Yeah, I just don't think, I don't know. I'm just watching Tisdale. It could mean absolutely nothing. But he's not showing the same energy. He's not moving quite as freely. I think, um, or with as much enthusiasm as he was going into the Travers as he is this race. Like I said, it's the quickest turnaround he's ever going to have to deal with. Um, and in that case, I I want to take a stab with Honor AP. I love his energy levels. Yeah, he only has one week over. You know, he's coming back on four weeks rest. Um, but I love his energy levels. I love the way that he's moving. And he's, uh, they're by far the two best looking horses I think in the field but um I think he's very very interesting heading into here and I like his progression you know heading he's heading in the right direction you would think that he can even improve off the back-to-back -back 102s speed figures that he's run in his last few starts well definitely looking at this field there's only a handful of horses that have run those triple digit speed figures right. and RIP twice last time 102 and 102 as you mentioned are there any other horses that you find of slight interest in this I think authentic is interesting based upon his his speed. Um, I am always naturally I naturally gravitate to horses who have speed, whether it be tactical or be all out. I think he is probably the fastest horse there um, because you have a lot less obstacles to overcome when you have speed. Uh, we'll see how he negotiates. I always think the Haskell is kind of that slightly elongated mile more so than a mile and an eighth i'm not exactly sure how far he wants to go being by into mischief but uh he he's gonna be out there and uh, on the front end and whether he takes pressure or not i'd rather take a horse that isn't gonna have to deal with traffic troubles than than one that will you know i almost wanted to take um uh, Max Player, a horse that I've liked, a horse that I've always thought more grounds better. He gets a train. Not that you know, Linda Rice did a bad job with him whatsoever. I think she did a tremendous job. Let's see if Asmussen, he's been in the position before to have horses 
at the Derby, though he's not been that successful in the race, to be honest, but this is a Derby like no other. Um, and I just thought he was interesting, you know, he, he moving forward, if you want one that's going to be a closer, and I think he's not going to be the deep closer that he has been in some of his previous efforts because he gets Ricardo and Santana, he gets Steve Asmussen, who puts a little bit more speed sometimes into his horses. Maybe it's just the horse. I don't know. But um, I think he's a little bit interesting as one to pick up the pieces. I mean, a lot of people are saying King Guillermo has been training really well. I question that layoff. I question how far he ultimately wants to go. Um, I think the weather's, you know, going to be good, so he gets a fair shot at it as far as a fast track. But I don't know. Uh, and you're dealing with connections that have never been there before, as well. See, I, I find that quite hard. Like looking at his work, super impressive. I mean, he looks like an airplane. He's just mm -hmm. lifting off exactly every time he works. But how does that translate in the afternoon? There's right. so many horses that are amazing in the morning, right? And then they get onto the track and they just they either just are outclassed by other horses exactly. because they're, you know, in the morning, that pressure isn't there. Right. Although circumstances, you know, he's going to have horses coming over on his gates. He's not, I do think he has a lot of tactical speed he to does. move forward. So I and think he's going to be probably speed indicate, on the inside. Right. His works would indicate that he's going to be sharp, you yeah. know, as well. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, hard, it's, it's hard to gravitate to any of the, the deep closers because... I don't want to say oftentimes they don't win races, but a lot of times they do. But not necessarily since we've you know dealt with the um, the Derby uh, point system in that you're not getting sprinters, you're not getting those blistering hot paces for those horses to close into. Yeah. So if we'd have to make a top three for you, because I'm gonna try. That's my aim. Like grab a top three from everyone. It's so not, you would put Honor AP on top. Yeah. It's not often you go 16, 17, 18. No, no, no. But that's what I'm doing. <laughs> All the heavy hitters are drawn yeah. on the outside. Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts on another very classy field this time, the Kentucky Oaks. Mm. On Friday, this race 12, modern 8th. I mean, I'm so excited about this. This Me is too. really shaping up to be a wonderful, wonderful contest. I absolutely adore, love Swiss Skydiver. Of course, a beast in Gamine that she's going to be. Mm. Two completely different fillies, the way, I mean, yeah. Physicals. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a kind of a Swiss skydiver is the, the throwback horse where Gamine, you know, she costs 1.8 million. She um, is just beautiful and tall and athletic and just reminds you of kind of like a Corvette in the way that she's, you know, put together. Um, but I'm picking this race a little bit with my heart and going with neither of those. Speech? Yes. Um... <laughs> Not purely because, but my husband trained her damn scribbling Sarah, who was his first Saratoga winner. Sarah was. Um, and I mean, this is about as obscure as a pedigree as you get for running a mile and an eighth on the main track uh, by Mr. Speaker. Uh, but all of her numbers indicate that she's going upward, A. I know she's been beat by pretty much every major player in this field. Swiss Skydiver, Gamine, Donna Veloce have all beaten her prior to her win in the Grade 1 Ashland. But Michael McCarthy, wonderful conditioner, brings his horses along, gets them to peak at the right time. Love the way she's training down there at uh, um, 
at Churchill. She sits the right trip, in my opinion, because let's face it, Gamine and Swiss Skydiver have the similar running style. I do think Gamine's probably naturally faster than Swiss Skydiver, but her hand's a little bit forced from that inside post position. And two, now she's gonna have to come back off of two weeks rest? Is that two or three weeks? Um, yeah, anyway, August 15th is when she last ran. So a week after, you know, um, uh, yeah. Tis the Law has. So she, look, she seems to thrive on racing. So I don't want to take that, you know, kind of feather in her cap away from her. Um, and her Alabama was superb. It was very, very good. I love what she did in there. And, and that was just, uh, she kind of took me by surprise in doing that. But I just think that since they have similar running styles, I want a horse that's going to sit right behind them and be able to pounce and a horse that looks like she's going on the right in the right direction. She's had ample time in between her races, unlike Gamine and Swiss Skydiver, yeah. um, for a guy who I think is very capable. See, I love Scribbling Sarah because I remember creating a feature and looking up your husband's uh-huh. You included like, it in I there. I should yeah. have recognized. Like, my brain didn't take it. I was like, oh, my God, that that's true. Uh-huh. That was his first. And actually, her so the breeder, Gail Rice, is Taylor Ortiz. So Jose Ortiz's wife, her mom, um, who Scribbling Sarah was clean from us. And something happened with her pelvis. She had, like, an injured pelvis, and she kind of ran at Finger Lakes for a bit. And then they stuck her in the Saratoga mix sale up here in the fall. And Gail bought her for, like, five grand. And produced a grade one winner. <laughs> so, so uh, very, very cool story with her. Um, like I said, she's a little bit of a heart pick, but also a mind pick as well because there's reasons to like her. Definitely think there's a case you made for exactly uh-huh. with Gamine and Swiss Skydiver because what if there's a scenario that both move forward, both go hard up front. And two, let's face it, uh, Gamine's worst or probably her, her least appealing win came um, at, o- at Oakland going the two turns against Beach, who, who almost got to her. And, and let's face it, she was DQ'd from the purse money that day. So um, Speech did inherit that. And watching her, you know, she gets out. She gets out on the turns. Like, you don't, you, I mean, it could be like the centrifugal force of her running so fast, you know, that she just kind of, woo, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But uh, I, um, I, I, I don't necessarily like her going around two turns. And it's funny, though, because two of the three top choices in here are by New York uh, bred mares, or out of New York bred mares, I should say. Very brilliant New York bred plug uh-huh. there. Maggie. And two of the, I mean, the favorite and a horse that has a shot are New York breds in the Derby with New York traffic and tis the law. So, um, pays to have a New York bred. <laughs> Anything can happen in, in New, New York. York. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it's, it's really interesting because, I, I mean, Gamine is such a huge fitty that in a way you'd think she would get the distance, but then looking at what she's done, it doesn't really suggest that this is her optimal trip. And two, as brilliant as Into Mischief is as a sire, he's yet to produce any kind of classic winner or anything that wants to go that much further than a mile and an eighth. It'd be fair. So I'm, I'm actually going to go with Swiss Skydiver. I absolutely just 
loved her in the Alabama and she really blew me away. And for like, as, as you mentioned that she's just so different to me, she never looked like that staying type. And mm-hmm. then she runs a mile and a quarter with ease going, I, I can do a mile and a half. Exactly. You know worries, guys, I've got yeah. this. Yeah. So that makes me just absolutely love her. Yes, I think it's going to be tricky. I really do wonder what the game plan is going to be with them. I'd love to, no, I'd love to sit in I on mean, the I talk with Tyler and, and Kenny McPeak. You would think, excuse me, that... Gamine just goes. Mm. She goes from there. Yeah. Um, and then Swiss Skydiver lets her go, and then maybe angles are out yeah, take back onto her hip. Um, and then Speech is right behind those two, and depending on what Donna Veloce does, where she is placed as well. You know, Donna Veloce is interesting because she should be close, too. I mean, she's an out in California. You tend to see those horses when they ship eastward be closer in the running line than what they would out at Santa Anita because they just run so much faster out there. So, And two, she's a fresh horse coming in here. She's had the most time in between races, and oftentimes you do see horses um, if they are coming off layoffs. I mean, she didn't necessarily show that in that March comeback race, but um, they will be into the bridle a bit more than what you might anticipate. So um, for me, yeah, I'm going to take speech on top. So who's in second? Uh, that's going to be Swiss Skydiver over Gamine. Gamine could just trample this field because she might be that big of a talent. Um, but she's yet to really stamp herself as being that talented at two turns. Yeah, I, I have to agree with you there. I really just don't know what Gamine can do or is going to right. do. exactly. So it's going to be Speech, Swiss Skydiver, and Gamine for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. As always, a great pleasure and just another fun to sit down with Maggie. Very curious to see how both of these races will shape up, especially her picks. Quite gutsy, picking Honor AP on top. Uh, personally, really, really want Tis the Law to win. Of course, it would be amazing to welcome a Triple Crown contender to the Preakness in October. Last but not least, the wonderful Richard Migliori. He actually made me smile straight away by starting off with his genuine compliment. I'm pretty sure you guys must have realized that I had a lot of fun speaking with today's trio of incredibly talented guests. Richie, it's great to have you back on my show again. It's been a while and this time face to face we're at Saratoga Race Schools. It's a little better like this, isn't it? Oh, definitely. Uh, always better face-to-face talking to somebody who loves racing and horses as much as you do, and particularly in a place like Saratoga where the history of the game is just so prominent. I mean, you just came off air on our Saratoga Live. No, actually, America's Day at the races, it's... Is it no, Saratoga, Saratoga Live up here. Yesterday, yeah, no, but yesterday was America's Day at the races because we had Churchill and Finger Lakes. Right, had the and, draw and no racing from Saratoga. Yes, and yeah. now it's Saratoga Live again. Excuse me, guys, I do know all of this. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you just came off air. How did it go today? It went well. We saw some... Uh, Kind of impressive performances. First time starter named Nashville, spites down Colt for Steve Asmus and ran extremely fast. Obviously handled muddy conditions here today in Saratoga. But, uh, you know, even a dreary gray day is bright when you're in Saratoga. Wow, you are selling it. You are saying it has been raining all day for all the listeners that aren't here. I'm disagreeing with Richie because I keep getting rained upon every time I'm running errands. So. <laughs> I was fortunate. I was on a covered set with my papers in front of me, everything at my fingertips. Uh, so it wasn't too bad. 
Cozy and comfy, huh? Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I brought you in here today because I'd love to hear your take on this year's Kentucky Derby and Kentucky Oaks Field. Uh, Kentucky Derby this Saturday. We're mere days away. Exciting field of 18. Only 18 this year. Uh, how much does that affect that, you think? Well, it's still a big field. I think what's interesting this year is that they have one starting gate. There's not two distinctive gates, uh, you know, the main gate and an auxiliary gate. I think it'll lead to a cleaner start. It should. Horses tend to run to empty space. You usually had the horse last in the main gate veering to the right. The first horse in the auxiliary gate veering to the left. Bumper cars at the break. And if one horse bumps into one, it usually leads to bumping into another and so on. So I really do think that it's great that they have one starting gate. I think it'll lead to a cleaner start. Was that long overdue? I think it was long overdue, and I, and I understand the, the logistical problems of you know creating a 20-stall gate and how do you slide it in and out of the way because they have to move it before the field comes around again. So I'm glad they got all that worked out, and I applaud Churchill Downs for making that effort. Absolutely, and we're getting to the horse, of course, Tizalaw, heavy morning line favorite, three to five, uh, three to five, excuse me. How good do you think he is, and is there still improvement left in him? We have seen improvement over his last couple of races, but is there still more to come for him? Well, if you judge it by the Travers, you, th- you have to think there is improvement there. He won the Travers with a breakthrough performance, as far as from a speed figure standpoint, um, and still won with something left. He's already proven at the mile and a quarter. The thing that makes him stand apart, and this is a horse that has admittedly done something to me. Like I look at him and he inspires me the way horses like Seattle Slough inspired me when I was a kid, Um, which it's nice to know you can still feel that way after being in the game for as long as I've been in it, um, that you can feel like that little kid, like that fan again. He makes me feel like that fan. He not only has the physical attributes and the physical prowess to be the athlete that he is, but from a mental standpoint, he's an extremely smart horse. And you can see he's constantly clocking things. He's always looking at things. And he's the kind of horse, when he needs to do more, he finds more. And I think he's been winning all of his races, even the ones with slower figures. And I hear criticisms, well, he has never run fast enough. He's always run fast enough, albeit except for one start, which was at Churchill Downs in the slop, than everybody else. So a horse can only beat what's put in front of him to beat. Um, I love that he showed so much courage in his first start here in Saratoga last year. He was bottled up behind horses. I don't think it's a concern if he happened to find himself inside of horses. I don't think that'll happen with his draw, 17. So you're probably crossing out another variable. He's fast enough to create his own trip, but he doesn't need to be on the pace. So if they go very quick, he'll be a little further back. If they go slower, he'll be in that perfect stalking spot that he was in the drivers. He creates his own trip. He's a serious horse. I think he's just the best three-year-old of the crop. And as a former champion jockey that you were, how do you write, if you're drawn that far on the outside, what is your game plan in your mind? Like, how do you ride like that? Do you think, oh dear, I really have to look on my inside and there's going to be a bunch of horses there? Or what, what goes through your mind there? What goes on? Well, remember, it's a very, very long run to the first turn at Churchill Downs. You're breaking up in the basically up at the quarter pole. So you've got over a quarter of a mile to the first turn, a a bit over a quarter of a mile. Um, You want to be forward. You have to come out running forward and allow the real speeds to take the running. Make them go on. Put enough pressure where they go on and they spread the field out. That gives you options. If you come out kind of looking at everybody, you're asking to be caught 10 wide. Come out running. You've got a horse that has always broken very well. 
has speed, and then he's handy. He listens to you. And he, he also has the ability, which very few horses, and only your very best horses have, the ability to make multiple runs. We saw that in the uh, Holy Bull over the winter. He was up close. Manny had to take him up to get to the outside. He jumped right back in the bit. Um, it's like driving a, a sports car. You know, you can hit the gas and it's right there. You can hit the brake, comes right back to you. He's a lot like that. And, and his handiness, again, is another attribute that makes him stand out. But you got to come out forward. Manny needs to let him come running. The great thing that Manny has so much confidence in this horse, and it's evident. And then Manny also has another ace in the hole. His agent is Angel Cordero Jr., arguably greatest rider of all time, at least in North America, who has won three Kentucky Derbies. He'll know how to coach him. He'll know what to say to him to get the trip that he's going to need. And I believe he has the horse to create that trip. Tis the law. He's the real deal as far as I'm concerned. Now, that doesn't mean he has to win. It's still a horse race, and we've seen great horses get beat all the time, but I believe Tis the Law is genuine. Would there be a danger of using up too much energy of your horse when you're asking them to go forward? If, for example, if a horse wasn't a speed horse on that outside gate, now we know that Authentic is a speed horse on the mm-hmm. outside, Tis the Law is handy enough, but you know, is there a chance that you would use up too much energy in a way? Well, there's always a chance, but again, you're talking about a horse that really listens to his rider. So you can ask him for speed away from the gate to make sure you secure forward position. And then he's a horse that comes back to you. It's not like you turn him on, you can't turn him off. And, th- and that's key. You, you talk about authentic being outside of him. I, If I'm Manny, I want to come out enough that makes Johnny go on and clear me. And then I follow him because he's going to carry you a ways for sure. He's, he's not cheap speed. He, he's a quality horse in, in his own right. Cheap speed, for all the listeners that don't know exactly what that term means, would you be able to explain it? Well, you can have a horse that really doesn't belong in this race, is really not good enough to win, and let's say he's 50 to 1, but he has a certain amount of speed. He can probably show speed for at least a half a mile. You don't want a horse like that to get in your way or get entangled with a horse like that. So so when I talk about cheap speed, it's not to disparage the horse, it's just a horse that probably doesn't have a good chance to win, but they have enough speed to at least be involved early. And you sort of want to make sure they don't come back into your face and you have to go around them or they block you, block a gap or whatever. Well, that's why it's to me it's also important to get forward position. So you're not behind horses that are going to inhibit your trip. You want to basically know who the live horses are. If you're behind somebody who's live cover, a horse you can follow, or horses you know you need to get out from behind because they are going to come back in your face. And for those players that are looking for the more exotic bets, which other horses do you find intriguing? Well, I'm an honor AP fan. I think he's genuine. I think he gets a mile and a quarter. I love his trainer, John Sheriffs. I think he's a master at his craft. Um, But I thought King Guillermo is a a look of a horse at a bit of a price that I think is going to be a factor. He is coming off a layoff. His best race was off a layoff in the Tampa Bay Derby. He has trained lights out. Um, he's 20 to 1 morning line, and he's another horse that's fast enough to create his own trip. So if he's able to work out the right kind of trip because he is drawn a bit more to the inside, I think he's a horse at a big price that could round out your exotics. I, I'm definitely leaning. I, I think Tizzolo will win. I'm leaning on Honor AP, but I'm definitely using King Guillermo as well. So would that be your top three then? That would be my top three, in order. I would say uh, Tizzola, Honor AP, King Guillermo. Any worries that 
King Guillermo is looking great on the track in the morning, but might not translate that to the afternoon. Well, it's always a, a, a thing that you have to think about. A horse that trains extremely well, does it translate in the afternoons? Um, but I thought going back to his Tampa Bay Derby, which he was coming off a similar layoff as he is into this Kentucky Derby, was his best race. Um, and I love the energy he finished with that day. If you watch the replay of the Tampa Bay Derby, he's widening the last eighth of a mile, but it's not because the other horse's strides are deteriorating. It's because his stride is really staying together and he finished with his legs underneath him. He's won fast enough races for sure. Do you think, uh, drawn in the six, he has a lot of speed. you think they're kind of forced to move forward with the outside speed? Well, they've got to come out running. In a big field, even at the mile and a quarter, and we've seen this traditionally, the Kentucky Derby's always run at too fast a pace for the distance. Less so in recent years because of the point system. It, it doesn't reward sprinters to get into the Derby. So you've seen the pace moderate a bit. But if you think about going a mile and a quarter, it's still usually a faster pace than normal for a mile and a quarter race. That's quite interesting, though, because that would make you think it might set up for some of the closers in this field. But the, what I'm seeing, at least the genuine contenders in this race, are all horses that have a similar running style. And that's at least to be involved, to be close, to create their own trip. Absolutely. You know, they are all those sort of handy front-running horses. And that's, uh, I had this discussion with Maggie earlier on as well. That's it, It's easy as an analyst or as a former jockey to land on horses that are tactical or on the front because at least you're hoping they're going to keep themselves out of trouble. Well, that's it. You're, you're hoping that they are going to put themselves in a position where they're not going to be inhibited by traffic. And, and traffic always plays a factor in the Kentucky Derby. We, we see it every year. It's a roughly run race. Last year resulted in a disqualification, which is very unusual for the Kentucky Derby, but the roughness had reached that level. If you want to look at a long shot that I think is a, is a true closer, I think Max Player has a very, very good look. He was well beaten twice in a row by Tis the Law. I could see Tis the Law winning this race by open lengths. And if this horse drops back and things get a little hot on the front end and horses trying to win the race use themselves too much, He's going to be coming and finishing, and I think could get a piece of it as well. He's definitely a very interesting horse. Or is that I very much liked from the start, uh, was trained by Linda Rice before now with Steve Asmussen. Uh, of course, Steve has a lot of experience with these big races. Uh, his main man, Ricardo Santana, on board now. He'd be very interesting. I have to admit, though, I such a big Linda Rice fan so I was a little a slightly bit disappointed to hear but that not knocking Steve Asmussen whatsoever as a trainer well Steve Asmussen is in the Hall of Fame Linda yeah. Rice does a tremendous job so it, it, you could look at it at more as a lateral move because they're both terrific horse people um Steve, though, shipped his horse right to Churchill Downs. He has a division there. He's gotten a train over the track consistently. I like that. And sometimes, and again, not as a knock on any other condition. It's just a different program, a little different feeding program, a little different training style. Sometimes horses respond in a positive way. And Max Player has already shown that he belongs in this upper echelon. So if there's any forward movement, that puts him a little bit closer. Absolutely. Well, I'd love to also hear your thoughts on the Kentucky Oaks. What a wonderful race this is shaping up to be. Like an absolutely stellar renewal. I'm so much looking forward to it. I've had I have a lot of friends that have been, you know, highly speaking about this. This is what well, it seems to shape up as a match race. Now, of course, speech is sort of in there, flying underneath the radar as well. Mm -hmm. Where would you end up? 
It's such a great question. I, I think this is those the, the kind of throwback races that I grew up falling in love in the game with. Um, you've got Swiss Skydivers, kind of a throwback filly, takes her you know show on the road, travels, brings it every time. She's got enough speed to put herself in the race, but she can also rate. Um, she's already won the Alabama. Um, you, you know, she is, is is special. And then you've got, and she has stamina. And then you have the brilliance of Gamine, whose game is speed. I mean, look at the fractions she throws down. And you've got one coming from seven furlongs, Gamine, where she went wire to wire in the test to Swiss Skydiver turning back an eighth of a mile from a mile and a quarter to the mile and eighth of the Oaks. And I just, I love the matchup. It's the intrigue of speed versus stamina to me. Uh, brilliance versus almost like a workmanlike quality of Swiss Skydiver. Um, I'm looking forward to it as a fan to pick one. I, I mean, if I had to say I wanted to ride one, I guess I would say Gamine because I, you know she's just so fast and a lot of times when a horse like her, like she'll bounce out of the gate, open up quick, and then the turn kind of backs her off the first turn and she'll throw her ears up and get around there. Now, she does have a little bit of a propensity to want to bear out. Is that a concern around the two turns? You know, it is something to think about and, and, and kind of put into your mind. Um, her last two races were so brilliant around um, one turn. But she's so fast. And I just think you know, that she might lead them all on a merry chase. I feel like we just don't know how good she truly is yet. Aside from what we've seen so far, which is phenomenal, it just feels like there might be even more to come with her. It, it does feel like there could be more. Like we haven't seen even the best of her yet, which is a scary thought because it's been pretty spectacular. Her, her acorn I, was jaw-dropping. She put so much separation between her and the field so quickly without, seemingly without effort. And it was like, what? How could she, you know, be that far in front that quickly. You don't usually see that. Um, you know, I know, you know, Johnny Velasquez thinks she's like amazing and he's set on a lot of good horses. Um, so I would put a lot of stock in his, um, his opinion, but, uh, I'm really excited, almost as excited about the Oaks, if not more than the Derby because of the matchup between, I think, two superior fillies. Do any of the other fillies in the field pique your interest? You, you know, I, going through the race and going back and forth about it, I thought the three, uh, Donna Veloci was kind of interesting. I think she she's a filly that's going in the right direction. Um, you know, she went from a maiden race going six and a half right to the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies and ran great, got beat a neck. And that was like throwing her into the deep end of the ocean off of, of one race sprinting. And then she came back in, in um, December and ran in the Starlet and was again beaten. But I, I, I feel like they threw so much at her right away. And she had a layoff and she comes back in March and she responded with a big win in the Santa Isabel. Now she's had a lot of time. Obviously, they've thought so much of her. She's been favored in every start. I think that now she's had an opportunity to catch up to their expectation. And I don't think she's as good as Swiss Skydiver and or Gamine. But out of everybody else, I thought she was the most intriguing one. I do think Simon Callahan also knows how to get the Phillies ready off a layoff. Uh, I think he's done it before with uh, American Gal, True mm -hmm. Valor. He he knows to get them to peak on the right day, on the right moment. I mean, if you come off long layoffs, that could be yeah. a concern, right? Well, absolutely. And, and you think about, here's a filly that's always been favored every start of her life. She's 15 to 1 morning line. I think it speaks to the depth of this Kentucky Oaks.
It's it's incredible. Well, so if you'd have to sum it up, your top three for the Kentucky Oaks, who would it be? Um, I will go with Gamine over Swiss Skydiver and Donna Veloce third. All right. Well, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Thank you so much for your time, Mig. And uh, see you around here anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Back at it tomorrow on TV. We'll catch all of my guests on either the Saratoga Live shows over the next few days or on NBC Sports. Massive thank you to these three for their time today. Now, just to recap the selections. I know you guys want me to. Lafitte was uh, swerving around a bit, so this is an estimate. Lafitte's top three for the Kentucky Derby is Tisla on top. And then basically making it a four horse trifecta, adding Honor AP, Enforceable, and Thousand Words. And then in the Oaks, it's Gamine, number one spot, and then Interchangeable, Swiss Skydiver, and Speech. Now for Maggie's top three, Derby, Honor AP, Tis the Law, followed by Authentic. And in the Oaks, the number one is Speech, two Swiss Skydiver, and three Gamine. And to close it off, Mig's Derby top three is Tis the Law, Honor AP and King Guillermo. And his Oaks top three, Gamine, Swiss Skydiver and Donna Veloce. Now for those of you that are wondering about my opinion, I ended up on, to the on top in the Kentucky Derby, New York traffic second as a long shot that I think ran a game second beaten by nose in the grade one Haskell having to come over from a wide draw this distance will be right up his alley. And then I included Honor AP in third. Oaks, Swiss Skydiver, because that Alabama was just phenomenal. And I think she is such a gutsy lady. And I really, really think that she can tough it out here. Gamine in second. And Speech in third. So where are you guys all watching the action from? I hope you have a, a bit of a socially distance party planned. I mean... We're seven months into this pandemic. I pretty much think we all need to party. As you might have noticed, I published back on Thursday this time. On time. Ha. Blood, sweat, and thankfully no real tears though. Got to love the action at the spa and the busy schedule. Don't forget, we also have the grade one Woodward, the grade one Spinaway, and the hopeful coming up this weekend. See you next week with lots more stories. Come and say hi if you're around.